This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana, and I'd love to know what life lessons would the older you share with the younger version? You know, besides that date was probably a mistake and eating all those tacos isn't going to sit well later. Today, we'll ask our team for their life lessons, including a man who's the founder and CEO of Better Wealth, Caleb Gulliams. And because it's also National Love Your Red Hair Day for those who celebrate, please welcome the natural redhead behind Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And a guy you can tell is a redhead, Doc G. And now a guy who would celebrate any hair whatsoever, Joe Salcihai. Oh, Diana Miriam, you're so funny. Ha ha. I'm determined to say every name of all of your guests wrong. (laughs) It's, you literally <laughs> just told me how to say it. I still said it wrong, didn't I? No, Williams. I think. What did I say? Gulliams? Yes. It's Caleb Guacamole Williams is here with us today. <laughs> it's exactly what we do. And hey, everybody, welcome to uh, Diana Slaughter's The Open for the Win. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Show Money on Twitter. And happy Friday. We're live here on Fireside. We'll introduce our guest of honor here in a second. That is the aforementioned uh, Caleb, but the natural redhead behind Afford Anything. That's so awesome. Paula Pant, how are you? I am fantastic. I'm wondering, so does that make me, what's the expression redheaded stepchild? I don't, because you are a stepchild, aren't you? I am not. I am an adopted child. You're an adopted child. Redheaded yes. adopted child. Yes, I'm the redheaded adopted child. <laughs> there, he's, there you go. And uh, a guy who we uh, didn't know was a redhead because he doesn't have any hair, like me, Mr. Doc G's here from Earn and Invest. How are you, man? Hey, it's great to be here. You know, 
many people don't know that Joe and I don't necessarily work together in the same city, but we had the chance to be in the same place at the same time. And Joe, I think that I'm pretty close to you there with number of hairs on the top of the head. So As we're, we're neck and neck. Very seriously, between the gray doc and uh, the lack of uh, follicles, I don't know if anybody would have any idea if we were a redhead. Yeah, that, that's why I have facial hair. Right to make up for what just I to prove, to yes, yes, exactly. to show that I ha- I can grow some. That's what I had to do too. Distract them with a little beard growth, yes. And the gentleman behind the Better Wealth podcast who's here with us today, we're super excited that we finally have him. It's Caleb Williams. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing incredible. You got my name right, and I might just have to trademark the whole Guacamole <laughs> Williams. So it's a pl- it's a pleasure to be here. I like that. That's a, it's got a ring to it, don't you think? It's memorable. It's memorable for sure. And you got to think with what you and I and Paula and Doc do. It's all about marketing, dude. So Caleb Guacamole Williams, I think, is a thing. I love it. So tell everybody about Better Wealth because you've got a heck of a YouTube channel. You seem to have a lot of fun. You uh, go after uh, Mr. Ramsey a little bit. Tell everybody about what you do. I, I like to say I run a company called Better Wealth and uh, I look like I'm 15 years old. So if people would take a second look when they see me talking about money, but I'm a big fan of helping people live their best lives, taking back control over their wealth, being efficient uh, with, with money. And really it comes down to living intentionally. And so my story in a nutshell was I worked in, in a chicken farm. That was like my first job. Uh, ended up working at a bank when I was 17 years old, took over the bank's investment department when I was 19, uh, realized that I didn't know anything about money. So I'm grateful for all the people that stuck with me uh, and just went on a journey, listened to people like you, uh, which was a, a potentially a mistake in some areas. And I learned sense of humor. Hey, easy. <laughs> no, but with, with all joking aside, I, I love helping people with money and been impacted by people like Simon Sinek and realize that money has a lot to do with getting really clear on what you want, living intentionally and making sure that your money, time and relationships are backed up with that. And so it's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm 25 currently. Uh, our company works with people in all over the country. And so uh, we'll see what I can add to this subject. And you and I met at FinCon and, and there is a lot of wisdom between those two years, my friend. And if you're running the bank's investment department at, at what age? At 19 years old. Yeah, at 19 years old. I think that says a lot of things. I think it shows what the banking investment climate is like. But it, but it also, number two, just shows, I don't know, what a gift you have. And I'm so happy you could be here with us. And I actually think that there were lessons, Caleb, at 25 that I could have taught myself when I was you know, 15, 17, uh, those types of things. So I'm glad that you're here. And uh, guys, we got Caleb here. We got Paula here. We got Doc G here. We're going to talk about this guy, Ryan Holiday, who has a piece. Paula, you recently had Ryan Holiday on your show, I know. Yes, he is a fantastic guest. He came on the Afford Anything podcast to talk about the concept of courage, um, which is, it's a word we throw around a lot, but, you know, to, to pause for an hour and really have an exploration about like, what is courage? What is bravery? What is valor? How do they differ? Well, today we're going to talk about what is past mistakes and uh, get into Ryan's brain on that. So guys, let's get the party started. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, here we go. Let's talk about some mistakes that we made in our younger life. Ryan Holiday, as we mentioned, wrote this piece when he was 34 years old. He said 34 mistakes on the way to 34 years old. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes at stackingbenjamins.com if you'd like to uh, follow along. But this piece goes over a bunch of different mistakes that he says that he made. And I want to take the first few of these from the piece and kind of talk about these because, man, I felt a lot of these mistakes myself, guys. He starts off with, if I had to go back and give a younger version of myself one word of advice, it would be relax. It's almost preposterous how intensely passionately, anxiously, I was worked up about certain things, how seriously I took things that in retrospect matter so little that I don't even remember them. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to start with you because of the fact that you're 25. Do you feel like this is you sometimes that maybe you need to relax a little bit? All the time. Is it? (laughs) I have this whole thing highlighted and and this is one of the areas that I felt like I was going to miss out on things. I was going to just lose my opportunity and I missed out on a lot of um, just times to take a step back. I, I went through college, not going on one vacation. No, um, and yeah, I know that it was a problem. So, <laughs> so yes, I, I very much can relate to it. Why? Why is that? Why didn't you go on a vacation? Was it money, or was it you're just a hard charger, thinking that I got to get ahead now? It, two things. Um, number one, I hate spending money. Very frugal. Um, and then the second thing is, I am very motivated by business. And I just didn't want like, I don't necessarily enjoy relaxing. It's not something I'm, I'm very good at. And so uh, it's one of those things where I actively have to work on this. That, and wow. So I'm here, I'm taking notes because <laughs> you guys have obviously accomplished a lot. And it's not in my DNA. Uh, Doc G, is it in your DNA to relax? It is not. And first and foremost, let me say that I just want to have Caleb around wherever I go because he's, you know, just saying such nice things about us and our knowledge and wisdom that I think it would just be great to have him around wherever (laughs) I go to remind me of all this good stuff. Uh, Yeah, as if your ego needs some help, man. It it definitely does, I swear. Um, You know, I was always so destination focused. So what Caleb says and what Ryan says in the article really has impact on me because the destination became so important that I didn't enjoy the journey as much as I could. So I rushed through things and I remember rushing through school. I remember rushing through classes. You know, when I was a young kid, it was about becoming a doctor. And so I gave up a lot of things. I gave up a lot of fun on the weekends. I I remember I went to university of Michigan. I didn't go to any of the football games. Like I was in the library studying every Saturday morning when everyone else was, you know, enjoying themselves. And as I got older, I realized that I gave up a lot of opportunities to be happy in the moment 
for a future that, you know, hopefully was going to be there, right? I didn't expect anything bad was going to happen to me, but a future that isn't for sure. And when I became a doctor and didn't love it as much as I thought I would have, you know, I looked back at some of that rushing I did and, and asked myself the question, was it necessary? Could I have enjoyed myself a little bit more on the way? Paula, listening to what Caleb said first and then Doc said, it's interesting to hear this theme. And I think maybe it has to do with the squad of people that were around, right? People that mm-hmm. listen to these types of podcasts, like we all have, are people that are trying to learn and get ahead and move more quickly. Is this just a problem with everybody that we need to settle down and relax a little bit more? Well, I I think largely it's an issue of balance. So certainly there are people who tip the scales too far in the other direction. They live so in the moment that they inadequately plan for the future. But conversely, people, particularly as as you said, Joe, people who self-select as the type of people who would listen to a personal finance podcast are typically the type of people who have deeply internalized the idea of working hard today for the benefit of a better tomorrow, sacrificing today for the benefit of a better tomorrow. And while that's a great ethos, you know, anything taken to an extreme becomes unhealthy, unbalanced. Have you had to relax more as you've gotten older? In many ways, yes. When I think about how I am in my 30s compared to my 20s, um, I was way more, and I know this is unusual in like the zeitgeist, but I was in my 20s, very much living in the future, like very worried about, am I going to be okay? Is the 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old version of me going to be okay? And so throughout my 20s, I was really focused on building assets, building investments, retirement planning, like the long-term future. In my 30s, I'm way more relaxed. And partially that's because I took the time in my 20s to build a solid foundation. So I can chill out more now knowing that that foundation is built. Um, Partially, it's, I think, also increased confidence. You know, for me, speaking for myself, when I was in my 20s, I was uh, lacking in confidence because I didn't have life experience to prove to myself that I could do things. And so the insecurity drove me. Whereas now I have more experience, therefore more confidence. Therefore, I'm chill because I know that whatever life throws my way, I can handle it. You know, and and there's a pause there on purpose because as I think through what you're saying, it, it it sounds like if it's your life experience that makes you more chill, then by definition, it would have been harder to to be chill when you're in your 20s. I think so. At least speaking for my own journey, I needed the proof of concept to yeah, be able to yeah. have that confidence. Yeah, that's a great phrase. I love that. And And by the way, sticking with you, in Ryan's second piece here, he says, when I look back at my own writing, the stuff that makes me cringe isn't necessarily even the stuff I was wrong about. What disturbs me is the certainty. And I'm laughing because this is so me, by the way, Paula, I was so damn sure of myself when I was, even when I was Ryan's age, when I was 34, I was so cocky sure of myself. In fact, I remember having the number one planner in the United States for, uh, for for the company I was with, tell me that he's like, you have an ego, the size of Cleveland. I'm like, well, (laughs) thank you very much. Yes. Why Cleveland? Why a city that small? Why not New York? Come on. But, but, but does that, does that resonate? with you too? Absolutely. You know, this is one of those traits that's, I think, easier to see in others than it is to necessarily see it in yourself. But I certainly know that when I come across somebody who can't differentiate between his or her opinion versus fact, you know, someone who speaks with complete confidence, even about subjects that they know nothing about, that instantly is um, repellent. Sounds like an average damn Facebook. 
<laughs> That's why I avoid that, uh, <laughs> that particular website. It totally does. Caleb, although you're 25, I'm just imagining the number of individuals you've met with and the number of financial issues that you've seen, right? You've seen a ton of different people's financial situations. I would think that you kind of get mistaken sometimes as a guy who would be more certain at 25 than he should be when really you have every right to be kind of certain that people might be doing things the wrong way. Well, it's interesting that you you say that because I've had the interesting perspective of like telling people that can't retire, that want to retire and like having to help people learn certain things that we all know is like, you, you know, super common. And it, it's interesting because even being young, having that responsibility, I've very much learned early on to not let that go to my head. But I will say I relate to that point as well, because three years ago, I wrote a book. What is a, what is a 21 year old writing a book on money for? And it's called the and asset. And I look back and I cringe because I made statements about money that I would not stand by today. And so it's interesting because I can relate to that. Even though I took the more humble approach, I definitely now knowing what I know now would just have shut up in a lot of cases instead of like putting my 21 year old opinion in someone's life. Is it hard at 25 telling a 50 year old that they're doing things wrong with their money? Um, yes, I, I've learned the more I talk, the less my credibility went down. And so I learned how to ask good questions and one thing that I can say, and, and maybe you experience in talking, I, I try to communicate more like someone in there. I'm going to say someone more experienced, uh, like you, Joe. And, Steve, whoa, I'm right here, man. <laughs> and and I just I try to ask good questions and get down to the root. And so, believe it or not, even when I was 19, 20, the age was really never an issue. I look like I'm 15 years old, but if you can get over that, I like to say that I try to seek first to understand. And when people feel understood they very much will trust you because you understand the things that keep them up at night. And majority of people that are 10 times smarter than me in the financial world don't take time to actually seek first to understand where their, their clients are actually laying in bed at night. They think they care about their spreadsheets and their theories. And, and instead, they just care about getting where they want to go. In, in a lot of cases, a lot of people are um, driven off of fear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doc, it's, it's interesting, this idea Caleb talks about, seek first to understand them, be understood. I mean, I, I feel like that's a pathway to success for young people. Yeah, I think it is in just about everything you do. And, you know, I really learned this in medicine. In practicing medicine, you know, it's really easy to put your foot in your mouth when you walk in as a doctor and you think you know everything. And I suffered kind of that hubris that I think we all suffer when we're young and we think we know a lot of things. And after taking care of patients for long enough, I realized that taking the moment to understand the situation better, listening to everyone else around you, gathering all the information before you made an assessment and then conveying that assessment, whatever it is that you are trying to learn mastery in, the first step is always to listen. Paula, I want to go to you next because just a couple down here, he says, why did I move to New York? <laughs> well, I think what he's talking about is not specifically New York itself uh, as an absolute. But Are you about to stand up for New York? Is that what I you're sure going to do? Yes. Well, but, but it goes beyond that. It's the concept of why did he move to a place that was not a good fit for him? Ryan Holiday lives, he doesn't even just live in Austin, Texas. He lives 
on the outskirts. He basically lives in like in a rural area where he has farm animals. Right. It's like he enjoys that rural life, which is fantastic for him. He knows what he wants and he's living what he wants. And so for a person who enjoys rural country life to move to the most densely populated city in the United States is not a good personal fit. So when he laments the fact that he moved to New York, it's not a a jab at something about the city specifically. It's it's a reflection of the fact that he went somewhere you know, there may there may have been certain logical reasons to do it. He might have told himself that it would be good for his career as an author, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't a good fit. And it seems like with technology now, you can live anywhere. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And one silver lining of the year that we've all just been through is that remote work, which I personally think should have been more widespread and more accepted 10 years ago because we've had this technology for a long time. Remote work, at least at a minimum, now is no longer an aberration. You know, in 2019, whenever I said, oh, I work remotely, people would immediately be like, what What do you do? You know, they were so fascinated by the, the idea that something like that could be possible. Whereas fast forward, a year and a half, two years. And if I say, yeah, I work remotely, everyone just kind of shrugs and snores. We had a time management uh, expert on Ashley Winnens, I think was her name from Harvard. And, and she said, Paula, that we overvalue uh, our money, but we undervalue our time. And I feel like we do that same thing because we feel like we're going to live forever, right? We have this thing that we think, oh, I've got plenty of time. I'll just do it tomorrow. And there aren't as many tomorrows as we think there are. But I also think that people, especially when it comes to financial independence planning, one of the things that I heard over and over when I was a financial planner was, we're I'm going to move. I'm going to move to X place. And by the way, Paula, X place is a place that I've never been to before. (laughs) And I kind of feel like we undervalue the place where we are right now and the friends we have around us. And we overvalue this dream of Paris or, you know what I mean? This romantic, and I pick Paris on purpose for me, because for me, it's a very romanticized city. We've got Mm. this romantic idea of where we are. Is that a a problem? You know, I don't think it's a problem. I mean, certainly, does it exist? Absolutely. Like grass is always greener syndrome, 100%. But sometimes it is that modicum of dissatisfaction that can be a driver and a motivator to push yourself, to get out of bed at 6 a.m., to to do bigger and better things. I think it becomes a problem when you become so attached to the idea. That level of attachment is a problem. But... Yes, like a motivating poster on the wall, you're saying it's fine, whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. If it helps you accomplish your day's goals, it's fine. But my, my point is, I see so many people that leave their friends. Well, and I'm a guy that did it, right? I left, mm-hmm. I went to Detroit, new friends there, glad that I went. But man, was it so great to be back. And I now mm-hmm. appreciate Texarkana far more than I did before I left. Well, I think sometimes you need you need that hero's journey, you know, the, uh, the protagonist. Um, Am I the hero leads- in the story? <laughs> you are. That's, that's, Everyone is the hero in their own story. Oh, no, no, no. Let's just talk about my story. <laughs> All right. Well, well, you followed the uh, the hero's journey. Of, there we go. 
leaving home, yes. going off on your big adventure, and then eventually boomeranging and coming back home again. I'm kind of like Luke Skywalker. Caleb, I would think in in, in your journey, at, at, at your age especially, I mean, this idea of location, I would think it'd be a great time for a guy like you to experiment with location to see, to Ryan's point, like, where is best for me? That's right. And I grew up in central Wisconsin. Uh, by the way, we did this whole virtual thing before it was actually cool. <laughs> so 21 years old, left the bank, which was in hindsight, I'm glad ignorance is bliss. And I moved into an office. It cost me $250 a month in the basement of a Papa John's building. Okay. Living at home, by the way, uh, helping people with money in the basement that didn't even have an elevator. And we did everything online. And I, I will say this, while I, I cringe at the, the humble beginnings, I'm so grateful for this thing called the internet and was inspired that I'm like, I can help anybody, anybody, not just in this country, but anyone around the world that has an internet connection. And I will say right now, our head wealth coach is in somewhere, Spokane, Washington, out in the boondock and they actually have Starlink as an internet connection. Wow, cool. And so so that's that's opened my eyes to this whole thing. But just to answer your question, I, I moved out to Denver, Colorado a couple of years ago and am really, really grateful for this concept of of meeting new people. And I don't know if I'm gonna raise a family out here, but Denver has been amazing for me and I very much enjoy the weather. I've got uh, one more point on here I want to get to before we start talking about our own money changes. And uh, Doc G, let's start with you on this one. And he dives into this idea about the book he's most proud of is his book Conspiracy. He says, the only parts of it I wish I could do differently, the few instances which in retrospect, I was too conscious of what other people might think, particularly journalists. I know you had this thought earlier in your life, didn't you? Where what other people thought mattered. How did you overcome that the way that he did? So I grew up with this idea that I would become a doctor and actually that identity uh, became how people recognize me, my friends, my family, etc. And it fit comfortably when I was a kid because I didn't really know much better yet. But I really had to face that as I got older and I started being a doctor and I started realizing that while it was something I was good at, maybe it didn't fit my identity as well as I was hoping it would be. And a big part of dealing with that was dealing with everybody's expectations. I mean, this is how people now saw me, my friends and family. Uh, and stepping away from that part of my identity, realizing that it no longer fit, that other people's expectations of me might not be who I actually am, was difficult and took time. Was, and, there, a, uh, was there a pivot moment that you can remember, though? I think one of the hardest conversations is when I talk to my mom about it. I mean... I think it was always my mom's dream for me. And my father was a doctor and he died when I was young. So I think it kind of fit well into that family story. And I remember as I was getting exhausted by medicine and more burnt out and then realizing that I had the finances to pivot and move away from medicine. There was a time when I sat down with my mom and I said, you know what? I think I've done this and I think I've done what I can do in this field and it might be time to explore other things. And uh, that was a hard conversation. Wow. Well, wait a minute. What did she say? I mean, of course she understood, but I think there was some sadness there. Some sadness because she, as well as the rest of my family, had bought into that dream. And what happens when dreams end up not being reality? Most of the time, dreams aren't reality because you're hoping for something that doesn't come true. Well, in this case, it's something that came true 
but it wasn't what I wanted in the end. And so I think even though she fully supported me, there was a little bit of letting go of part of a dream that she had for me all those years. I remember early in my career, I was just tired one day and I was tired of uh, begging people to do the right thing with their money. And I was also tired of begging people to hire me. Um, and I was kind of struggling a little bit with that. And uh, I remember these people came in and they were just screwed. They were so screwed. And I just said that. I said, you guys are screwed. <laughs> so instead of, instead of uh, trying to make it like, hey, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. You guys are going to be great. If you just hire me, I think things are going to be good. I didn't say that. I said, you know, what? I think you're screwed. And instead of caring whether they cared about me or cared for me or they wanted to hire me, I just told them the truth. I mean, I put a little velvet on the hammer, but I, but I just told them, I said, I said, I don't know how you're going to get out of this. I know I've got some ideas. Here's some things I think you could do. And I, I wrote a few down and, and I found that they leaned forward. And the less that I cared whether people were accepting of me and was just me, and told people the truth, the more people wanted to hire me. It was like this big, I don't know, there, there was a big aha, big, big, big change. I want to do one more of these here, which is, why have I so often expected differently of people who have already shown me who they are? Character is fate. Paula, do you believe that? Character is fate, but you can change your fate. So uh, it is not fate in the sense that it is predestined. And... Like it's not fate in the sense of adopting a fixed mindset, right? Like we want to stay with it, that growth mindset. But I, think he's, but I think he's talking about other people here though, right? That, hey, if this is their character now, this is their character later on. I mean, he, yeah, he is. Like there's that expression, like if, if a thing happens once, it will happen twice. And if it happens twice, it will happen a third time. Like, you know, patterns exist for a reason. Patterns can be broken, yeah. but patterns exist. So it's certainly wise that when people show you who they are, believe them. But that said, the statement character is fate. I don't know. The word fate is a fairly loaded word. It, yeah, it's pretty strong. Absolutely. I think we're going to leave the first half there, guys. Uh, lots more here, by the way, in Ryan Holiday's piece. If you want to read it, we'll have it at the show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And of course, we're going to have a lot of links uh, to a lot of our shows in our newsletter called The Stacker. Uh, we dive in there, give you kind of the 201, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker to subscribe for that. And of course, it's absolutely free and you can unsubscribe at any time. All right, everybody, it's time for our trivia challenge. We have a hootenanny, as mom says, as we come to the last couple months of our big trivia challenge. I've got good news and bad news. And the bad news is I don't know what the score is right now because of the fact that we're performing a couple shows out of order so that we have our regulars on to talk about the Halloween episode, talk about Halloween. So I have no idea, but Paula, the worst news is I know you're still in last place. I was going to say, it's a pretty safe bet, <laughs> even with these episodes being out of order, that I'm still last. And I also have some bad news for you, Doc G, which is that uh, because Caleb is here and really, you know, you're not the guest so much as the guy who comes over all the time and you can open up the refrigerator whenever you want. You just make yourself at home here. 
you, sir, are going to play on behalf of uh, whoever's in first place, which I think we're going to say is what? Len Penzo, right? Sure. You're trying to give Paula a better chance here. (laughs) No, what I'm trying to do is give Caleb, our guest, a Mm -hmm. better chance. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Doc, you're going to go first playing on behalf of Len. And Caleb, uh, you are sandwiched in the middle, my friend. So you're playing on behalf of my co-host, OG. And, And I think you met OG at FinCon as well, didn't you? That's right, I did. Yes. And so you know how surly he's going to get if he loses, but no pressure. He's surly either way. So I think you're going to be fine. All right. Diana, you ready to do some trivia for these guys? I was born ready, Joe. All right. Here we go. Here's today's question. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana, ready to wow you with this week's trivia question. The game Monopoly was launched on this day in 1935 and has now bored children for nearly 90 years. No wonder no one wants to talk about personal finance. Monopoly comes with eight tokens, 28 title deed cards, 16 chance cards, 16 community chess cards, 32 houses, and 12 sweet, sweet hotels. So here's my question. What's the total amount of money in the box? I'll be back in just the same amount of time. It'll take you to mortgage park place. Well, that's when you know you're losing is when you've started mortgaging your properties. So doc, you got this. No need for you to mortgage properties because you're going to win this thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if I remember back, what was the biggest denomination of money in the Monopoly thing? It's been that long since you played. Of, of course, I had to beg you to play a board game with me yeah. at Camp Fi a couple weeks ago. So I do have kids. And at one point, way back when there were some board games and I'm pretty sure we played Monopoly. But I don't remember. Was it like fifty and a hundred thousand? I'm not, or is it even much less than that? I'm going to take a stab because I really just don't remember. And I'm going to say fifty million dollars. Fifty million dollars is for Len slash Doc G. And and you don't have to say thank you now, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caleb, you're you're up, man. Yeah, my goodness, I I don't even know where to begin. Our, my competitive nature wants to say. Fifty million and one dollars. <laughs> have you played Monopoly? I have. I, I have. Have it you played has, it recently? No. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Um, Twenty-five million. Twenty-five million dollars is in the box, and uh, Paula, you, All you, right. you only got twenty-five million between those two numbers. I'm going to capture the downside. I'm going to go twenty four million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. I, I want to point out that you have a huge upper hand here, but yes, I I put my money on your answer, but yes. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Why did you guess lower than Caleb? Because I'm second guessing myself. So, <laughs> nice. Paula, why are you taking the downside here? Uh, I so if I remember correctly, I think I think the bills are like. There's like, I think it goes maybe up to a thousand. I think there's like a hundred, 200, blah, blah, blah. goes up to maybe like 800 and then there's a thousand. So I really, I don't think that we get that. I don't even think we get into a million. Like, I feel like the actual answer is maybe 10,000. So you think it's, yeah. ten, wow, not much money yeah. at all. Like Doc G is, is off by a magnitude of... <laughs> I'm going to blame Doc here because yeah, I, 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 be. I, my I, I've anchored you, but I could have sworn there was like 50,000 
20,000 and 50,000, but maybe I'm off by, by a factor. Well, we're, we're, we're going to tell you in a couple seconds, but we don't do that yet. We'll be right back. Well, you know, when I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Doc G, the word anchoring came up just before the break and you anchored everybody. Everybody's thinking you anchored them maybe slightly high. Yeah, that, that's my job is, is when you put me first is to throw everyone totally off the scent. <laughs> and Caleb, you only went halfway, but you still think that maybe I, you went too far. Yeah, I would. If I had a choice, I would change my answer. Paula's going to win. Paula as the natural redhead here. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times where you thought you had a layup win and, it, and you lost. Right. Does this happens so often. Does this feel like a layup win? It it does, but so has every other layup win that I have lost. Well, so well, guess what? I've, uh, I've I've learned just not to have any expectations. Be be like water, just flow. <laughs> that is it. That's the Stacking Benjamins way. Just flow. Uh, we're gonna flow right into Diana with the answer. Diana, well, let's tell everybody what's the answer here. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. We're talking about Monopoly, the game that's. The game that's been starting arguments since 1935. With the game launching way back then, I wonder how long it was until the first table was angrily flipped over. I, Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm putting, by the way, my money on like two months. I think like two <laughs> months later, people I'm fist fights. Yeah. I am with you, Joe. Maybe that should have been my trivia question, but I went with this one instead. How much money comes in a standard Monopoly box? Since 2008... Games come with 30 of each bill. 500s, 100s, 50s, 20s, 10s, 5s, and 1s. Wait, wait. That doesn't mean... 
just in case you're not a math whiz, that adds up to a cool $20,580. No way. So that means no that way. Paula's our winner. No way. Like I said, $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, and even my hunch that it was like probably around 10,000 was uh, reasonably correct. It was way the hell Spot closer, on. way the hell closer than Doc G's idea. <laughs> I was sitting over here knowing the answer, cheering you on, Paula. Oh, Very impressive. You. Diana, I thought you'd be cheering me on after this. <laughs> well, the good news, Caleb, is you're part of a feel good story here. Paula, Paula finally gets the win. Yes. <laughs> For my birthday. For, oh, the, the, I got the win for my birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday, Paula. Oh, thank you. So say maybe Caleb and Doc conspired to give you the win. I don't yeah, know. Sometimes we, you have to give someone a layup. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely don't want to uh don't want to take that too far. Paula, well earned win. All right, let's dive into the second half of this discussion. Second half uh, where we're going to dive into money lessons that we would tell our younger self is brought to you by Magnify Money. Uh, Caleb, you know what happens when you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money? I don't. Oh, man, you're missing out, dude. What you find is that those uh, those tools used at brick and mortar banks every day, like your checking account, savings account, probably not best in class. What Magnify Money does is looks at all the online banking opportunities over 92% head to head rated against each other. You'll find them so you can stop paying so many fees or fees at all on your checking account, right? You can get, find better savings account interest rates. I found my allied savings account uh, using Magnify Money, uh, CD rates and more at stackingbenjamins.com. Uh, forward slash magnify money tells them that we sent you. We're going to dive in here to the second half of this with money lessons that you tell yourself now. Caleb, you're only 25, but like I said earlier, you have met with so many people. You've seen so many people's financial situations. I was their brother. I remember I meet with 10 to 12, maybe 15 people a week and see their different financial situations. So I feel like you probably of the financial situation of a 40 year old. What is, what's, what's some advice you'd tell yourself from five years ago? Yeah, I would tell myself to have more fun. When I was little, my parents did this thing called the blessing beans. And we would, anytime we did something really good, they would give us a bean. And I was the kid that they stopped the program and I had a bunch of beans that I accumulated, but never cashed them out. And I share that because I, I feel like my tendency is just to accumulate. I've been saving a lot of money. I'm very into investing. And my fear is that I'm going to miss the whole reason why I'm motivated to begin with. So that would be the one thing that I would tell my 20 year old self is spend money on the things that you value and don't judge yourself. You're, you were missing the fact that money is a fuel. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about the Fireside app is that we can have members of the audience join us. And we got Justin here with us. Justin, what's a, what's a money, what's a money story you tell your younger self that, uh, that, that maybe you could do better? Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Um, hopefully you guys can hear me. Um, I think for me, it's really about lifestyle inflation. I think the one aspect where we were casually saving and not on this journey towards FI we just allowed life to happen. And I feel like for many of us, there is an intentionality that we now subscribe to. And that's definitely something that I wish upon my younger self earlier is just being able to have a goal, have an intention and plan for it and go for it. Uh, Versus when you're a lot younger, you just don't have, you know, that passion or drive earlier on. 
Well, and what's funny too, I think I heard kids in the background. Do you have children? I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny when I was a financial planner, Justin, I'd see, you know, first you jobs and it's not necessarily in this order. You have a family and then you just need more stuff. And next thing you know, you're making these decisions, not based on any type of budget, but to your point, just based on the fact that we think we need it. And then when we started looking, at least in my family, much more uh, analytically about what we need and what we didn't, I realized the same thing. All of a sudden I'm living this lifestyle that I, I wasn't planning anymore. Uh, did you find that was the case? with you? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think for us, uh, the one aspect was your social circle tends to dictate that. So you see folks with different strollers or, you know, XYZ, and you just <laughs> feel like strollers. that's, you're right. It just feels like that's the norm. And, They've got the tricked um, out stroller. You got to get the tricked out stroller too. <laughs> exactly. So even, you know, the aspect of entering these life milestones, um, you don't know any better because you just see your social circle adapt to one standard. And that, that's just something I wish that, you know, our family, to, you know, has figured out over the years. But, you know, I, I love what you talked about is that you just tend to just find this breaking point where you have to be honest with yourself and honest with, you know, what you want long term. And, you know, I, I really love the, the dialogue around that. Uh, what, what is that, though? I mean, is it getting because you've got your side of the equation, Justin, but then you also have what Caleb talked about, where he's just hoarding all the stuff, right? And doing absolutely nothing. So while you're fixing up the stroller and making it better with the chrome wheels for no reason, he's not spending a dime. Is the middle ground conversations and budgets like what's that middle ground, you think? I agree. I think budget is definitely a lifeline that we all can kind of uh, measure against because uh, I think there is this, you know, the, the hedonic treadmill that we always talk about, right? Like there is a, this equilibrium point where life's fine. Like, you know, we, we could be okay with, you know, not the top line stroller that, you know, not shop at, you know, Whole Foods or something like that, right? I think it's just a matter of, of what you value, enjoying that process, but recognizing too that, you know, you, you don't have to go, you know, you're full on all the time. Yeah. That there's a, that there's a choice. Paula, you down with that? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the hedonic treadmill, the keeping up with the Joneses, the fancy stroller or the fancy, you know, whatever stage in life that you're at. Like, I call it keeping up with the Paulas myself. Uh, keeping up with the Kardashians, you know, but yeah, who, whoever it is that you're keeping up with, it's uh natural to do that, right? It's pro-social in many ways. Like we are social animals and we imitate those around us. So, you know, if you want to frame it positively, it shows that you're social. It shows that you're good at learning. It shows that you're not a psychopath. Um, these are all positive attributes. But of course, the way that it gets applied in daily life is that it can be, you know, bad financially. So it's all the standard advice. Like, I'm not going to say anything earth shattering here. We all know that finance is far more behavioral and psychological than it is spreadsheet based. We all know that changing the mental game and also changing the social game, you know, changing up who influences you, even if that means finding an online community, finding a, a Reddit community, um, you know, whatever it is that can help really jive you into that mental game, you know, that's that's where the battle is uh, won or lost. Yeah. Look at the people around you and surrounding yourself with the right people. Huge, mm -hmm. huge to the win. Caleb, you're on the other side of this. So I want to head back to you. When you hear Justin talk about the chrome wheels on the stroller <laughs> for you, how do you have those discussions now about where you're going to let loose? Like, tell me what that discussion looks like. I think it comes around to this concept of value-based spending. It's like, let's spend money on the things that we truly value. One of our co-founders, one of my best friends died of cancer a couple of years ago. 
And I'm telling you, like, I don't want to change the mood here, but that really woke me up. And I very much relate to um, Ryan Holiday as he talks about where you only have one life and know that it's like very temporary. And I think for me, what that does is it allows me to take a deep breath and say like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm doing the things that I truly value because I could be frugal in areas that are actually worse for myself, my health and the people around me. And so I think that has, like, I can say that, but living that out is key. And I, I would say I've made some big strides. I'm not at the stroller stage yet, but I'll, I'll hit you up, Justin, when I hit that stage. And maybe I can buy your old one. Justin, <laughs> you got Just, it. Justin can tell you the right wheels to buy. Yeah, the right rims for your stroller. <laughs> uh, Doc G, how about you, man? A mistake that you made when you were younger that you would tell yourself about now or something you think that you would tell a younger self, a, a truth about money you know now, my friend? Oh, I would tell myself to run more experiments. I can't tell you how many times I had an idea that maybe was a good idea or something that I was interested or passionate in. And I talked myself out of doing it before I even tried. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that you can do these really simple experiments and see with very little loss. And maybe maybe you're onto something, maybe you're not. So is there a business you're interested in? See how you can jump in with a hundred bucks. See how you can get interested or call around and find people who are doing it. Don't be afraid to try or learn and don't talk yourself out of doing things that truly interest you. Cause I think I spent a lot of my younger years talking myself out of doing creative things or talking myself out of even doing business type things because I didn't have the answer immediately. And I was too afraid to try. It's, it's funny. I'm a person that feels a lot of fear. In fact, what my mantra comes from Nike before just do it. They had a phrase that really resonates with me that is feel the fear, but do it anyway. Cause I feel a ton of fear and it's so hard to fight through that, that I have to continually tell myself that. But Paula, was it you and I that had a discussion about doing that with, you know, taking these little retirements, if you can, instead of a big retirement so that you, you kind of get the feeling of what it's like and what you value once you leave the world of work. Exactly. Yes. Test driving your retirement or taking little mini retirements along the way. I I like to refer to it as not just retire early, but retire early and often. So, um, yeah, if possible. And I know some people can't do that, but even if you can't, I would think mm -hmm. that we talked about going to these different areas. Like he talks about moving to New York. Like if you Mm -hmm. like an area, I think at the very least go on a few vacations there. Yes, exactly. It is about that creativity. Um, You know, see if you can negotiate something remote. See if you can negotiate something for three months um, or something for one month. Start there. And and then do something completely outside of your comfort zone. You know, go to Cambodia, you know, or go to Ghana and spend a month there. Um, Find out what that's like or go live in... um, Texarkana. Texarkana, Texas. Yes. You know, and uh, discover what it's like to live in Texarkana. And you may discover uh, an absolute love for the the border of Texas and Arkansas. Yeah. And, and board game nights at Joe's house. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got, by the way, Chris Hutchins from all the hacks I see is hanging out here with us. I'd love if he's uh, around, tell us a, a money lesson that you would tell yourself now, a guy that's founded some companies and would love to get your take on this. And here he is. 
Chris Hutchins joins us. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Weigh in on this. What is a lesson you'd tell a younger version of yourself? I mean, aside from, you know, buying all the Bitcoins, I think I would probably tell myself that, I mean, similar to the taking risk, I think along with the fire movement, I always thought save, save, save. And I thought invest in yourself is probably one that I wouldn't have thought of, like spending my money to make things that will make me better in the future, whether that's education, whether that's trying things out, trying new jobs, taking risk, you know, spending money to take a bet on a side project, right? I have a podcast right now. I'm starting to spend money on it while it's not making money. Um, so I'm telling that lesson to myself, not even my younger self, even my older self. I think anybody who gets into podcasting for making money is sorely mistaken. Yes. Yeah. I've spent far more than I've made. But I love this idea of investing in yourself, Chris, because this is, as I get older, I found myself doing that more and more. I, I seriously overpay for coaching now. Yeah. You can never underestimate what other people can help you achieve both in knowledge in support. And, and it just seems so you have this young attitude where you're like, I can do anything. I can learn anything. And then you get older and you're like, wow, there's a lot of smart people out there. I should probably spend more time with them. I should probably read more books. Maybe, maybe I don't have it all in my head right now. And so it took me a while to pick that up. And I, I, I really respect the people I'm around and the things that I can learn from other people and, you know, spending money to, take courses, to take coaching, to even take time to just get away. I've always wanted to do one of these silent meditation retreats that for some reason I feel like of everyone here, Paul has probably done, but I still haven't. <laughs> well, thanks oh, for. I, I don't think I could be silent for ten days. No way. <laughs> I don't. Did, did you say ten minutes or ten days? <laughs> There's a very popular meditation retreat in Kathmandu that uh, I've seen so many people drop out of, and it's ten days long. And I've watched person after person make it through like two to three days, and then they're done. So. I've learned not to even try unless I actually put in the reps and practice ahead of time. Justin and Chris, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Paula, you have a, a birthday coming up. And so <laughs> what's kind of a thing you tell your younger self about you and your money? You know, I would echo the importance of investing in yourself And if for anyone who's listening, who has a business or a side hustle, or who's thinking about starting a business or a side hustle, invest in that. Despite the fact that when you read personal finance media, when you read blogs or books or listen to podcasts, oftentimes when we talk about investing, we talk in the narrow framework of index funds, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, real estate. Um, You know, we talk about these asset classes because they're, I don't want to say universal, but they're, you know, many people invest in them. It's part of that quote unquote standard retirement portfolio. The returns are easier to wrap your head around. They're easier to track than, you know, a P&L statement on your Etsy store where you sell candles. Like you, you might not know what your profits and losses are for the first year. If you're doing it scrappy and, you know, doing it in your spare time. Sure. I mean, you might not necessarily know what type of returns you're getting. Um, that might come later once you hire a bookkeeper and hire an accountant and get a team that can help you figure out the numbers a little bit more, but that doesn't make it any less of an investment. So Sorry, that was a long answer to a short question, but invest in yourself and in any business that you're running. No, that's fantastic. Doc, that sounds like you talking right there too. Yeah, you got to earn and invest, right? So Where have I heard that, that before? You, yeah, you got to put yourself out there and uh, you got to start from the beginning. 
Caleb, do you draw a line? You say that you're really frugal, but are you spending time investing in yourself, money investing in yourself? I I spend a ton of money investing in myself and hired a coach and I'm very, very big on that. I will also say this. I love what you guys are saying and articulating and a couple thoughts just from maybe the young, young kid and, and my thoughts and just looking at people and how they handle their money is an observation that I've made is majority of the way that people think about their money devalues them as a human being. And, and if you think about that, I know I just made up a word there, but it's like, man, if we are our greatest asset and everything good or bad, a lot of times we can point it back to ourselves and how we show up and our attitude and all that stuff. It's very interesting that a lot of our mindset around money, like we're doing the exact opposite and, and diversifying our ability to have an impact. And so that's one thing that I like, I love, love, love. And I would just encourage people to really lean in. And that's the only reason I've been able to do what I've been able to do is like, that's the one thing I have done pretty consistently on and I'm so grateful for. And uh, it so far has been uh, treating me pretty well. Holy cow. Paula, did the 25-year-old just drop the mic, say the best thing on the podcast so far? I, I lo- the phrase diversifying away our Holy ability to make crap. an impact. Wow. Like what? Wow. I etched that one into my brain. <laughs> that is fantastic. Diane, I want to get your take on this. What's a lesson you'd tell your younger self? Well, I was in my 20s. I was really drowning in wasteful spending, thinking that I was going to figure out my financial situation when I was making my millions one day. I think that's a lot of people find themselves in that position where, you know, I'll figure this out later. I have plenty of time. I felt like that, Diana, when I was in Justin's shoes, when Justin was talking about lifestyle creep and family, I just always thought that it was an income problem, right? If I just made a little more money that my gross overspending would go away and I'm with you, that's not the case. Yeah. And I would tell my younger self, you do not have an income problem. You have a money management problem. That was a huge learning for me. Yeah, that's, that's big stuff. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Nice work. Let's take a second here and talk about what's going on where all of you work. And uh, we'll have our guest of honor go last. Uh, Paula, stick with you. What's happening at the Afford Anything podcast, my friend? On the Afford Anything podcast, you, Joe, join me every other episode to answer questions that come in from the community. And so uh, we've got some great questions. We've got a woman who has 14 years left until she's financially independent and able to quit her job and uh, retire. And she hates her job. And she's like, well, what do I do? Do I stick it out for 14 more years or do I pull the plug, even though that's going to delay all of my financial plans? So you and I, Joe, we tackle that question plus a whole bunch more questions about crypto and all that sort of stuff. That one, if I remember right, we said lottery tickets or no, you said lottery (laughs) tickets. And I said, whoa, 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 Paula. Uh, And then you said roulette table. I did, because everybody knows that that's where the money's made. Absolutely. And then I said blackjack. Yeah, we take take it from there. So that's all on the Afford Anything podcast. Yes, it's where finer podcasts are distributed. And it's absolutely free, Paula. Ooh, you get what you pay for. It's amazing. Well, it is brilliant. Uh, So you could charge a lot of money for that. Speaking of, how about the podcast that was up for podcast of the year this year, the Earn and Invest podcast. Doc, what's happening there? So this week is Rewind Week. So this may not be a new episode, but it is a new episode possibly for you. Uh, We are going to go back 
into the old episodes and pull out some good ones to replay on Monday, Thursday. We do that every eight weeks. That's awesome. And ones too, I've noticed what you do. You find ones that maybe, I don't know if it was the title or whatever, but the substance is really, really good, but maybe not that many people heard it. Yeah. So we are coming up on three years of earn and invest. So I try to go back to that first year and find some of those more interesting conversations and panels uh, that maybe people didn't know about the podcast back then. So if you come to it two years in, two and a half years in, yes, there are some people who binge and start on episode one, but a lot of people stick more with the current one. So I like to pull out those oldies, but goodies. Yeah. It's like, if you don't have time to get to the greatest hits, you know, well, you, you're providing the greatest hits. If you don't want to do the whole back catalog, you've got the greatest hits and yeah, that's we'll pull them out for you. also free wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Caleb guacamole Williams. I'm so happy that you spent an hour with us, my friend. Man, this is a total blast. I'm grinning right now. You've made my day for allowing me to be on your podcast. I also have an aspiring podcast. It's called Better Wealth. Yes. And it's also free. So, and I look up to all of you guys in the podcast world. You guys ultimately were the reason I started, uh, starting with good old Pat Flynn. And so I have the honor of interviewing a lot of people on money and talking about different concepts as it relates to helping people be more efficient with their wealth. Give us an idea of a current episode. What's coming on now? Well, we just did an episode breaking down social security and the the different changes that come uh, with that, looking at, you know, the tax increases for some, the cost of living adjustment, and then also just interviewing some people just around the, the successes and failures. We also focus a lot on taxes and some wealth efficiency. I, I will also add, uh, we're, my next big project that I'm, that I'm focusing on is this thing called the cash flow ratio. And it's the, the money philosophy that I believe that money only does two things. It's either consumed or it's saved for a future consumption. And I believe we can simplify the money conversation into this concept of cash flow ratio, two lines, and show if someone's balanced or not based on how much they're consuming, the assumptions of their money growing. And so my next big project is to try to bring that to the marketplace and really help people understand that money can be as simple as a two line graph doing two things. And so that's like the next big project that I'm working on. And I'm, I'm very excited because I feel like the lack of financial literacy is more relevant than ever. And I feel like a lot of times people need a framework on how to think about it. And people like Robert Kiyosaki has helped us understand some powerful things about cash flow. But I feel like there's another step that needs to go to actually show people what that looks like and answer questions like how much you need to save. And so uh, I'm excited about that. That's awesome. And you know what? We'll link to the Better Wealth podcast and everything that Caleb Guacamole Williams, I'm going to say that forever. And every time I see you, that's what I'm going to call you. We, we <laughs> Everything that Caleb does, we will link to on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But the Better Wealth podcast, not just by the way, wherever you listen to podcasts, but also he's got a heck of a YouTube channel. All right. That's going to do it for now from us. Thanks to you for spending time with us. If you know somebody that this conversation that we had would help help them, please send it out to them and make them a stacker, at least for one episode and help people do better with their money. I like it when I hear that somebody was introduced to us by a friend and then they started getting their money situation together. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And we're honored whenever we hear that from somebody. All right. That's going to do it for today. Uh, Diana, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, what would you tell your younger self about your money? 
Your birthday is a great time to reflect on all you've done wrong in your life, in order to fix it, of course. It's also a great time to see how much you've grown. Second, young people aren't all out there wasting their lives on the ticky talks and the snappy chats. Young people are leading the future of financial education. Sorry, Joe. But the big lesson, while $20,000 was a large sum back in 1935, in today's economy, Monopoly really doesn't come with all that much money. Forget buying Boardwalk. I just use it to pay cash for a nice used car. Big thanks to Caleb Williams. Did I say it right that time? I think I did. You can find his book. I think it's Guacamole Williams now. (laughs) That's right. Guacamole Williams. (laughs) You can find his book, The And Asset, wherever books are sold. And you'll also hear him on the Better Wealth Podcast. Thanks also to Ryan Holiday, who wrote today's piece. He blogs at ryanholiday.net. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us. You'll hear Afford Anything wherever you're listening to us now. Thanks to our good friend, Doc G, for stopping by. You'll find him at the Earn and Invest podcast, our sister show. Give it a listen. Today's show was written by the brilliant Paulette Parach. Know how I know she's brilliant? She wrote the words I'm reading right now. Amazing. While she's not putting awesome words in my mouth, she helps writers power their work and business and businesses power their words. See how she can help you at thatwriterpaulette.com. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. And when I'm not stacking Benjamins, I'm working to organize an incredible event about financial independence called the Economy Conference. And it's actually coming up next weekend at the University of Cincinnati. We're kicking off the weekend with a live recording of the Stacking Benjamin Show. We also have a full schedule of main stage speakers as well as activities to connect you with like-minded folks. Learn more and grab your tickets at economyconference.com. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Try not to make any big mistakes out there. Or if you do, at least try and learn from them. See ya. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. We don't uh, talk about the show outside of the confines of doing it. And Diana, I, I apologize. You and I have had so many issues just getting you here that I forgot to ask you about the economy conference. So I'm glad you brought it up because we well, get to it's party next week. It is here. <laughs> it is happening. And, and we talked about it being red hair day. Uh, it's, it, it's probably got to feel like no hair week because you're pulling your hair out. Oh my gosh. It's all gray. It's, how, it's just gone how all much, gray. How much bigger is economy this year than it was last year? Oof. 
Well, we've got about a hundred more people thus far. You know, so many people are signing up last minute. Ticket sales are just on fire right now, which is very exciting. And we've got some additional programming. Like we did have activities on Sunday of the event that were like more social activities, but I didn't really market it as a two day event because the bulk of the event was happening on Saturday. This time I'm really marketed as a two day event. It's going to be amazing. So many more people are going to be sticking around for Sunday. So it's going to be great. It's, and it was so good last year. I can't even imagine how good it's going to be this year. Go on, Doc G. Tell was, me more. Was, oh, it was so good last year. It was so much fun and just so well put together, Diane. I have to tell you, you just did such a great job with it. Oh, shucks. Thanks. So uh, let's talk for a second here about Paula's birthday. Because when we go to parties like birthday parties, sometimes they go really well and sometimes they don't go that well. Now, it it would be fun to talk about parties that went super, but I really want to not hear that. (laughs) I want to hear about the party that either went off the rails or something, something didn't go the way that you planned. And Paula, I remember meeting up with you a morning after you'd had a birthday and one of us had had a good night's sleep. And the other one was coming directly from the bar. And and by the way, you said, and this is in New Orleans at FinCon. So I can't, Mm -hmm. and by the way, which I can't believe was, it must've been what, six years ago now, maybe, maybe even seven years ago. Maybe longer. Yeah. But uh, you said like a few things that were brilliant to me. And then a couple of weeks later, I said, Paula, those things were so brilliant. And you said, I totally apologize, but I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I was, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so asleep. I have no idea what you're talking about. My only recollection of that breakfast is uh, I remember guzzling orange juice. Yes. I just sitting there guzzling orange juice as much as I could. Do you remember how kick-ass the place was, though? Was these like high-top tables? I do remember high-top tables. You don't remember being kick-ass? I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the parties are always great. It's the morning after that's whew. yes. But I, I'm uh, I'm thrilled that I'm able to still say brilliant things and give good advice even after pulling an all nighter. I don't know though. I wouldn't rely on that, right? I wouldn't think. Well, I should do that more often because that seems to be my you know the way I fly. A Caleb or Doc G, a party that you went to that either because of you or somebody else, something didn't go the way that you'd hoped. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've had any real exciting parties. <laughs> I'm a pretty boring person. I don't know if I... Partying with me at Camp Fi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, that didn't really go off the rails. You know, I, I'm sure I had a lot of those parties my freshman year of college. I just don't remember any of them. Just don't. You've, you you have them blocked out. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're oh, come on. Listen, this is going to be bad, but you know how you... Well, I think one of you said earlier that you went through college, didn't party at all. I... I didn't go through it to a single party in college. Yeah, but not even like a family party or like a wedding you went to where it just went super bad. Man. Has anyone been to a wedding that didn't actually happen? Like we see that in the movies all the time. Has anyone been to a wedding where someone doesn't show or someone leaves and says, no, I can't? So no, I've I've never been to one of those weddings, but I did crash a wedding once. Absolutely crashed a wedding that I wasn't invited to. Just because Paula wanted cake. (laughs) I always want cake. That's a permanent state of being. Um, No, I didn't know that I was crashing it. So I was in India and met some random dude and he was like, hey, I'm going to this wedding. Want to come? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Indian weddings. Great. Um, And so we go to this wedding. It was huge, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, And after 
a couple of hours. I'm like, so how do you know the bride and groom? And he's like, I don't. There's just, there's one here. There's one in this location every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So you inadvertently crashed. Yes, I inadvertently, I was, I was invited as a guest of a wedding crasher and I, I became a crasher by association. Now, this is not necessarily uh, an unexpected thing for some big Indian weddings, because I have been to some big Indian weddings and no one would have ever known yeah. if strangers just walked in. Because once you get past about 500 people, I think it gets pretty hard to keep track. Exactly. Exactly. I've, I mean, my understanding from my clients that were from India is that the last name Patel is like the last name Smith in the United States. Do you just say that you know mm-hmm. the Patel family and you're good? Yeah. Or, or I could just say like, uh, oh, you know, I, I know auntie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. that's just, I'm, I'm, oh, Dr. Yeah, yeah. I'm Dr. Shah's son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. I know auntie and, uh, you know, and I've, uh, my, and I've got some cousins. Uh, my cousin Mohan is here somewhere. Sure. Yeah. That's it. So, uh, tomorrow, Paula, we're all going to crash your party. That's yeah. It can't be a crash if you're invited. Oh man. You, d- does that mean you have to uninvite me so I can crash it? Ooh, well, I, I am willing to go through that technicality if you would prefer to crash. <laughs> yes, Joe. So Joe could have his made up badass moment. <laughs> yes. I had a birthday party for my 28th birthday that I planned myself, but the concept of it was I invited my 28 most favorite people and it didn't matter if you could actually come to the party. It was more like I wanted to identify 28 people that I liked more than anyone else. And I sent them like a really nice invitation. And it was a black tie event in my apartment. Like you had to wear a black tie. We're just hanging out in my apartment. Oh, did they York. know what numbers they were? Was it like your number five? I would, no, no. I would, I would love to, to get that. On it. I would totally love doc to get that email that says, dear number 27. Yeah. Well, I made it very clear that they were one of 28. So like if, you know, come to this party because you were selected among, you know, a very select group of people. But there were certain people that like they live across the country. It wasn't really realistic for them to come to this party. So what I did and I thought this was hilarious. I think I horrified my guests. But the people who couldn't come, I'd ask them to choose a fruit or vegetable And then I dressed up these fruits and vegetables and put googly eyes on them. I dressed them up in black tie and they represented the people that couldn't be there. And I like put them on the mantle in my apartment. Did you do a lot of drugs when you were young? (laughs) No comment. Um, But I will send you guys pictures of these decorated fruits and vegetables because I think they're hilarious. And I posted them all on Facebook at the time. So I'm 34 now. So this would have been six years ago. And I tagged everyone and literally nobody commented. Nobody liked it. I really think that uh, <laughs> that gag did not land. I was about to say, now you're talking like my social media presence. <laughs> I'll send you guys the pictures. Like, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I thought they were hilarious. Not as bad as what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with comedian Paul Ollinger and and these people that do the baby reveal parties that are a weekend away at, you know, some exotic resort. So I've got to I've got to waste an entire weekend, spend a ton of money just to find out whether my kind of friend is having a boy or a girl. Not wonderful. I'd rather go to your googly eye party, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Ryan Holiday, what, what would he say? Turn a maybe into a no. It sounds like you can exercise that muscle. Just just say no. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. But then you feel bad, don't you? You're like, yeah, uh, listen, if you could just, uh, if you could text me 
<laughs> the, the detail that would be that'd be fantastic well stackers the show might be over but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that i want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law eric who is such a giving person eric will do just anything for you and as a marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community gives to his family and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, There are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.